Welcome, Jack fans. A uh, little, little late, but here we are. Um, some type of technical difficulties getting the stats posted, so this is why we're just now recording this tonight. But here we are. Yeah, but we're back. We're here. Pardon me, Alex, coming to you live from Nacogdoches and Tyler, Texas. Uh, the only post-game lumberjack basketball podcast coming at you with hot takes, statistics, and cute quips. So today, uh, going over our game last night versus the McNeese Cowboys. So coming into the game, uh, McNeese was five and six. It was their first conference game. Uh, spoiler alert: didn't go so well for them. Um, for their pre-conference, they have played some pretty good teams. Um, they haven't won against them, but uh, they took an L by 20 points to Wisconsin. Um, they took an L by 30 points to Richmond. And they played UT really close and only lost by two. Yeah, which was really shocking. I didn't expect them to play. I mean, even though UT isn't the best team in Texas, um, Shaka Smart is still a pretty good coach, and so that still is shocking that they only won by two points versus UT. Yeah, they've been having a rough season. Which, yeah, again, surprising because, like I said, Shaka has always been a really good coach, but I don't know. Who knows what's going on over there in uh, Austin? Their football team's team. They're just... Maybe some of them in the water. Keeping it weird, I guess. <laughs> keeping it too weird. Keeping it too weird. They can't win no athletic event games. Nothing. Eek. Yikes. Anyway, this isn't a UT podcast. This is an SFA basketball <laughs> podcast. Well, so let's talk about SFA basketball. Um... But first, let's talk about our trip. So, obviously, we took a quick little short drive comparatively to the other games that we've driven to this season, Bama and Arkansas State. It was only like a two-hour and three-minute drive or so across state lines over into Louisiana and to Lake Charles. Um, so, not a bad of a trip. Pretty easy. Um, not too stressful. Minus getting off I-10 with a pain in the butt because there's so much construction on I-10. But, oh, well. Um, they do have a McNeese there at Lake Charles. They do have a really nice new facility. Um, but it is just a bit smaller than ours. It seats about 42, 42. Uh, and where ours seats more about 7,000 and some change. So, um, But it is a nice new facility. They have a, you know, obviously the basketball court there. And I'm assuming some other courts, probably volleyball and a few other things. Um, but it's brand speaking new, like two, out, two years old, not even two years old, barely. So. Um, nice little place there. The seats are a little wonky. Um, definitely the William R. Johnson Coliseum seats are a lot more comfortable, but, um, you know, the way they have them staggered and the way they have them kind of like up at an angle, um, it does have a positive and negative, but, um, definitely nice and shiny. But I did find it kind of weird that Jacqueline made a comment about this yesterday is that they don't have like a scoreboard in the middle of the court, kind of like how we do hanging from the ceiling. Um, their scoreboard like off on the side on a wall. Um, yeah, it was kind of janky. Like literally the one on the one on one end was a little bit larger and had, you know, the section on each side for the, the stats of the lineup that was in the game. But the one on the other yeah. end of the court was literally like the same one that they have in every high school gym you've ever seen. That's like not even that nice. Um, literally, yeah, yeah. Not um, cool. That was, little, that was a little weird. And what I was thinking was a video either, and like they didn't show any sort of videos or anything. No, I don't. So I don't think it has that that capability. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean you're gonna spend four point whatever million dollars on a brand new facility, but yet you're not going to invest a little bit more into a nice scoreboard. It just didn't make any sense. I wasn't too impressed with that aspect. Yeah, it was kind of odd. Um, so per our like last few experiences, we did have a few, a few asshole fans. There's always going to be a few little bad apples in the bunch, but for the most part, we, we had some really nice, uh, people who kind of conversated with us about the, the Duke win and, 
Yeah. We're very, like, you know, congratulatory of that. So that was cool. It was up until I got hit by a program from the old man behind me telling me to sit my butt down um, because I was blocking him and his wife's view. I'm sorry. There's three minutes left in the game. I'm cheering defense for my team um, on a very close game. I'm going to stand up. I bought this seat. I'm going to do whatever I want. So next time you hit me with a program, I'm going to call you back. <laughs> I mean, especially you as... You could have easily tapped me on the shoulder and said, excuse me, ma'am, could you please sit down? Me and my wife can't see. Like, you could have easily done that, but no, you can't. That your program. Like, what the fuck is that? Especially as staggered, as staggered as their seats are, it really shouldn't have blocked his view any, but whatever. Yeah, and I knew there were people behind me. That's why I moved over to the left further so that I wouldn't block people, and I definitely Mm-mm. I mean, come on. You guys didn't cheer one bit during the whole entire game, so, I mean, you can't tell me that you absolutely care about what happened to the game, so don't start me. <laughs> Um, but good, good note about the trip. So we ate dinner afterwards. Um, I had actually a, a friend of mine played, um, who I used to work with. She played for McNeese, uh, Tangela Cranford and she's in their hall of fame. Um, but anyway, how, anyhow, I had asked her for some recommendations and then, uh, one of my mom's old coworkers now lives there and she gave us some recommendations. We kind of looked at all of them, picked out a place. Um, and then our friend Sam Curry, uh, tweeted us and was like, hey, you should go to this place. Um, the house it's in was my great-grandparents' home they built and lived in for like 40-something years. Um, and oddly enough, it just happened to be the place we had already decided to go. So um, so that was really cool. It was really cute, really nice um, old home, you know, that it was in. And they had a, a really huge outside patio area that had like the little white string lights, um, just really cute, and it wasn't super cold, so we sat outside, um, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool, it was a nice little re- uh, relaxing post-game dinner, and they had good appetizers, and really amazing beer cheese that, um, I had gotten a steak and beer cheese probably, um, they had, like, chopped steak, um, sirloin, and, uh, beer cheese, and jalapenos, and onions, and stuff like that, so that was, was really good. Um, and jalapeno, not jalapeno, but the beer cheese fries. And then I had ordered some, like, alligator bowls. Oh, my God. I love alligator. So, anything, anytime I see alligator on a menu, I'm like, yeah, give me that. I don't care how much it is. <laughs> alligator. Like, count me in for that. And I'm obsessed with boudin, and they had, um, you know how normally people have the, the jalapenos that are stuffed with cream cheese and then wrapped in bacon? Well, these were stuffed with cream cheese and right. boudin. And then wrapped in bacon. Yo. They were amazing. And dipping in beer cheese, they were so good. Yeah. Um, so we had a really good dinner, to say the least. And we had um, some really good drinks as well. Yeah. Um, they, had some, they had some new drink options there. And I had one because uh, basically the only reason why I ordered this one drink called the King's Bites is because it had screwball whiskey in it. And I love screwball whiskey because it's screwball whiskey peanut butter. Like, what more could you ask for? Oh, my God. Delicious. It looked pretty. My drink was really pretty, too. It was good. I can't even remember what exactly it was, but it was nice. Yeah, it looked good. It was like something with cranberry and rosemary. It was good. Anyhow, all right. So, on to the game. What you people are here for, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you prefer... I mean, I guess we could talk about the game. Yeah. So, the final score, we won 81-73, to even though ESPN and SFA at one point also had it wrong got a little confusing there at the end um it was so it was 7973 uh at about 15 seconds McNeese had gotten it to a 4 point um deficit and so they obviously were trying to intentionally foul and get possession which made sense um but by this point there was maybe less than 6 seconds Whenever we took yeah. the ball out and we were up by six, so really no point to intentionally foul at that point. Um, but whatever, one of their stupid players fouled Kevon with like one second left, and literally they blew the whistle right before the buzzer. So kind of everyone thought the game was over, but they did, in fact, call it before the game was over. So Kevon got to shoot the two free throws and made them both. So anyway, um, 81 73. 
final score. Yeah. Um, other general game note that I have is that I'm calling complete and utter bullshit on their um, recorded attendance of 3565. No, no freaking way because that place held about 4200, which would mean that that left only about 500 um, lacking to just feel fill the place up to max capacity, and it was not even halfway full. So, um, whatever. I don't know if people don't understand the difference between attendance and, like, maybe ticket sales or something. I don't know um, where they're, how they're inflating this or getting it incorrect, but that was not correct. So Yeah, there's, just, there's no way. I mean, I have even posted a picture at one point uh, making a comment about the bright-ass sunlight up in the, bottom, up in the top corner, um, and... You can see from the picture that there was absolutely no one minus the band of, like, five or six people and, like, three or four, like, students or younger bands sitting over in that section. There was nobody over there. Like, none. So there's, there's no way. No way. So unless these people are coming into the game and not sitting and just, like, walking around or owing it, there's no way. There's no way that there, there were butts in seats, but there were that many people butts in seats. There's no way. Yeah, not, not even yeah. close. Cool crap. Not oh even close. God. So we'll let Alex tell us the Southland standings after that game. Or after oh, this, after this weekend. So, <laughs> so as of right now, current time, 738 on December 22nd, 2019, our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Just almost uh, 2020. Um, currently, the number one team in the conference, the numero uno, the big kahuna, SFA, SU, Lumberjacks, baby. Back at the top, back where you belong, of the other team, can eat our duck. Anyway, we are rocking and rolling at 10 and 2 overall, 2 and 0 in conference, um, 7 home, 7 and 0. 7 and 0 at home, 3 and 2 away. Sorry, can't talk. Brain is mush. Uh, right after us, we have Sam Houston State. Boo. But they're 8 and 4. Uh, Abilene Christian is 7 and 5. Northern Arkansas is 3 and 9. Uh, which, again, it's weird because when you see a 3 and 9 team that's up at the top of the standings, you get confused, um, questioning as to how. Because at this point in the season, when we start playing some when we start playing South Bend Conference games, those wins and losses take precedence over typically the non-conference game, um, overall percentages and things like that. So, um, you know, if, if there's a team that's 3-9, and nine, but they've won two um, South Bend Conference games and haven't lost any South Bend Conference games, they're going to be higher up in the standing, which makes more sense as to why you have Houston Baptist who is a 0-10 team. They have not won a single game that they have played this entire season, which is very, very um, kind of unlike them. But they're struggling right now. But they're not last. Um, Anna Corpus Christi is last, and they're 4-8. That's because they have played two games in the South Bend Conference, whereas Houston Baptist has only played one. So that kind of makes it make more sense. But it's still weird to see an 0-10 team not in last place. So if you look at the conference standings, you're like, who, what? Um, take a moment, actually look at the standings, look at the percentages, look at the um, actual overall scores and get in the uh, soft line conference wins and losses, and it'll make more sense to you. So um, that is what it is currently at. Uh, the next games will be coming up this week. I'm sure there's a few on Wednesday, and then, of course, you know, the rest are on fun Saturday next weekend, as is ours. So, um, the standings in court most likely will shift again, depending on who wins and who loses. Um, expect SFA to sit again, firmly planted, up at the top. Yee. Um, Yay! Thank you for the standings. Now, moving on. You're welcome. I'm good for it. Me and Sean Kennedy's favorite segment, uh, stats. Let's get those stats, girl. I so. Field goal percentage, we were much better this game than last game, 53.6%. Uh, Three-point percentage, we were also better, which, I mean, I didn't even think we were doing shabby last week, but this week, 42.9%. Um, great. However, I'm going to say uh, one of their players was three for three and was just killing us. Um, 
on yeah, those again you know i note that every time we don't like to guard the three whatever um no. stat no. so uh free throw percentage it, it was eight uh 71.4 percent um however gavin and kevon were both five of six so really stellar on the free throws there um Points in the paint, we were pretty well back up there again, 46 points. Um, Points off turnovers, 25, pretty uh, yay. Um, Second chance points, 12. I just am kind of still ugh about that because we had 26 missed field goals, 26. And... uh, so, 26 opportunities, and we only scored off of six of those. I mean, I just – I feel like we can do better than that, guys. Uh, fast. Well, we can do better than that. That's, you know, that's just – that's not – no. It's a little weak. Yeah. Um, fast break points, we only had nine, but they, they did press um, some here and there throughout the game, so kind of expected there. Uh, bench points, 32, pretty strong. Um, total rebounds, 37, meh, not bad, not, not as high as we've been doing lately, but, um, 10 offensive boards, 27 defensive boards, just not enough offensive boards, I already said that, um, fouls, and again, we know, we know, yes, we foul, um, if we have the highest force turnovers, um, in the country, we kind of expect to, you know, just... Get some fouls with that. Kind of comes with the territory. But um, sometimes it's just kind of an egregious difference. And yesterday was one of those days. Uh, We had 29. They only had 19. Um, Major foul trouble. And we we talked about this a lot yesterday. But um, apparently there were maybe some discrepancies between the actual stats and what they had down. So I don't know. Uh, This is what was reported. But anyway, it says... Four fouls each um, for Kevon, John, Rotti, and Charlie, and three fouls apiece for Nate and Samaja. So we, I don't know, we were almost in some bad foul trouble, but anyhow, made it through, whatever, moving along. Thank you, next. Um, game leaders, uh, Gavin, huge double-double, um, 21 points, 11 rebounds, really stellar performance. Um, obviously, they don't mention a, you know, a Pilgrim's Pride player of the game since it's not at home. But that would be Alex and I's selection of uh, player of the game. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cam, also super strong performance, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, uh, almost something in every column, and almost a double-double. Uh, Nate, 12 points, 6 rebounds, and 2 assists. Um, so really... Really stellar performance from Nate, too. And like we said earlier, he was 2 of 2 from the three-point line yesterday. So, really, really big game uh, for Nate there. So, normally, um, in our stats segment, we just go through the the main stats for that specific game. Um, But as of yesterday, you know, we were talking about Gavin and how well he's been doing the whole season with free throws. Um... So Alex was kind of curious, like, let's just look at the the overall stats um, for each player thus far for the season. So, Sean Kennedy, you get a little bonus um, on yeah. this podcast with leaders of each stat category as of this season thus far. Yeah, so, uh, Sean, this for you, bud. Um, so far, we talked a lot about how uh, Gavin's been shooting really well behind the free, the free throw line, but um, we wanted to also mention – that he's also the leader in field goals this season. He has 64.5% um, at the field goal line, which isn't surprising either because, again, tip, points in the paint. Um, he is, like I said, also doing really well during free throws. He's at 70, but he's not the best. Um, technically, Tyler is the best at free throws. Two for two, 100%. Good job, Tyler. <laughs> but also, um, Johnny... Johnny has a lot of, uh, he's the leader in a lot of categories this season. As of yet, he is 83% behind the free throw line. Um, Three-point percentage. The team leader in three-pointers. This is going to shock everyone. Not who you think it may be. It's Nathan Bain. Nate has 55.6% behind the three-point line. Um, 
I know. Shocked. I was too. Um, we also have Gaben leading the way with eight blocks, but Charlie's right behind him with seven. But I guarantee you that that is probably closer, probably more of a tie, if not more, because I feel like a lot of times Gaben and Charlie's blocks don't always get tallied for some. Yeah, agree. Mentioned that Charlie had an amazing, or we will mention that Charlie had a really good block on uh, on Saturday night last night, and it wasn't on the stat sheet. So, but we know for sure it happened. We saw it. We were both there. It happened. So, it's probably closer to tied and or you know, give or take. Um, John again, team leader with thirty four assists. Um, Gavin again with the rebound, ninety one total. Um, both offensive and defensive, that's your total. Uh, personal foul. Not who you think would be. <laughs> so I thought it would be Nate with personal fouls as the team leader. It's actually John. Johnny Boy with 38 personal fouls, but um, not far behind him is Gavin and actually Kevon. Uh, and then team turnovers. Last out here, team leader is Kevon. Oh, man. This is going to go right along with one of my airing of the grievances with ball security. I mean, just, you got to do better on that, bud. got to do better. But anyway, those are your team leaders as of right now in each stat category. Um, I didn't mention top minutes because I don't think that's necessarily relevant um, as of right now in the beginning of the season. When it gets closer to the end of the season, um, minutes in the game will probably come in more into play because obviously more people who play more it'll make more sense. I mean, Tyler, no offense, I mean, we love you, kid, but you don't play as much, so you having 100% free throw um, percentage wasn't like, woo you know, you're two for two. So that's why I figured, let me put John's up there because it's more, makes more sense. So anyway, but I'm sure Jacqueline has some nice things to say. I do. I have a few, so I don't have a lot, and uh, not not that I am, you know, displeased with the performance, but you'll see when we get to marrying of grievances. I, th- I think there were just a lot of little things that um, we needed to do better to not let a 17-point lead go to almost losing. Um, but anyhow, um, I did feel like uncharacteristically for us we kind of just took charge the very first possession of the game and I felt like we were getting off to a strong start which normally is not our norm um I had a specific note that Charlie had a amazing sick disgusting block and they didn't put it down on the stats so again I don't know what happened there but I mean it was tremendous enough for me to note it so whatever um Charlie and Gavin both had a super strong game and were just really strong in the paint, and I was I was very pleased with that. Well, for the most part, um, you know, little airing of grievance to come, but for the most part, I think they were super strong in the lane, and Cam just had tremendous hustle the whole entire game, um, and, you know, it was kind of one of those unsung heroes type thing where I just felt like he really did a great job the whole time and was just very you know, hustling and really putting it out there and nothing flashy, but then he's the second leading scorer. Um, so, you know, all those little things really paid off. So that's my nice list. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I kind of mentioned this before. I feel like as the season goes on, and it kind of goes into just leading into my nice list, I feel like as the season goes on, Charlie and Cam just continue to improve um, every game. As the season goes, um, they just look better and better. Um, obviously, Charlie doesn't have as many playing minutes, but he's getting up there. He's playing more and more and more. Also, kind of goes hand in hand the fact that Gavin fouls a lot, so that puts him in foul trouble, which gives Charlie more opportunities to come in and play. Um, which again is both positive and negative. Um, he gets more playing time, he gets better, but also means that Gavin's sitting out more because he has so many fouls. Anyway. But let's talk about the good things. Uh, Gaiman had some really good rebounds on some of the possessions there, really came down strong with the ball, um, but not every possession. Keep that in mind. Um, country, again, Carly, really good block. I mean, that was disgusting. All ball, perfect textbook. Wah, chef kit, good block. Um, and rebounds, too. Can't forget on the rebounds, Charlie. Again, keep working on those. 
scored down, or David was better of the game with uh, with his double double. He did great. But for me again, Charlie and Kim, because they're just improving so much and they had really strong games, I feel like they're you know definitely second in line for player of the game. Um, David had a really nice three, um, and again, those don't come very often for David, and I feel like it's because he rushes it too much. Um, so, you know, he just needs to be set and breathe. He can't rush it, but oftentimes that doesn't, you know, you don't get the opportunity to get set and breathe um, when you're playing such fast-paced basketball like we do. So, you know, but when he did, when he did get set and breathe and he shot up that three, man, it went down through the hoop, but it didn't hit the rim. It was like smooth as silk. So, gotta keep doing that. Um, Pam had a really beautiful coast-to-coast. I mean, got the ball on one end of the court, took it down, laid it up. Beautiful. And again, another chef's kiss. Beautiful. Um, Nathaniel Norris Nathan Brent. I swear to God. What is going on with those threes yesterday? You had two back like threes. Boom, boom. Man, again, you don't take them often, but when you do, go in because you're, you're wide open and you get the ball and boom, it is down. You got it. Um, another nice list, beer sales. Really great. I love when teams do that. Um, not that I just have to have a beer when I'm watching a basketball game, but it kind of like it just goes hand in hand. Yeah. Like when, and you, if, when you're watching a football game, you know. If it's there, if it's yeah. there, we're getting um, one. Like, I don't even drink beer, but if, if it's there, I'm getting one. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it kind of helps calm the nerves just a little bit. And it's just nice. It's just nice to sit there and just leisurely, you know, chug it down like some of the people probably there were because they were just a little too tipsy at a college basketball game. But that's here nor there. Um, but it was nice because we could take the beer back to our seat that we paid for, sat down, drank <laughs> our beer, and six bucks wasn't bad for, for a draft. Um, could have been worse. I've, I've paid more, probably shouldn't have, but I've paid more for a draft. So six bucks was not bad. I already mentioned the nice new facilities on the nice list because um, it's just a very it's a pretty facility. The outside is very nice. The, the you know they had that me State University on the side. It was all lit up. It was it was very nice. It was well done, well well constructed. Um, um, it was easy to find, easy to park, easy to get tickets. Ticket line was easy. The ticket people, the security were nice. They weren't Nazis like the other freaking stadiums we've been to. Um, so good stuff. Good. Stuff. And we already talked about David and his free throws. Um, again, big 70% shooter for the year, so he's doing really well, um, which that kind of rounds up my nice one. All right, so uh, stay tuned. We'll come back in segment two for our airing of the grievances, what do you mean, and announcements, upcoming stuff. Be right yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, stay tuned. Welcome back for our second segment, starting off with the airing of grievances. So, again, not a lot of problems, but um, like I said, we had, you know, a 17-point lead that we blew, so I do have several little things that I want to mention that um, didn't help us out there. So, my my first two things, or my first, like, three things, I guess, really I've said every single game, and I'll say it again every single game, when they happen, is uh, backdoor, which we let several different times happen. We had backdoor one time that was so bad that they just had this massive uncontested dunk, and, like, I mean, I just am so tired of saying backdoor that I'm about to start bitching about it like your mother does when you're a child and it's during the summer and you leave the freaking door wide open and she's like, we're not trying to cool all of Texas. Shut the door. Freaking don't leave the back door wide freaking open. I cannot stand saying it one more time. Um, So that, then I have guard the three because we never like to do that. And like I said, Brown on their team was three of three from the three-point line. Um, Just can't leave it wide open like that. Um, drives me nuts. And then offensive boards I've been complaining about, and I just, we were not getting nearly enough offensive boards. Um, 
Some of the other smaller things that I kind of had, uh, we were just letting them penetrate the lane a lot and giving up easy points or fouling. Um, that's just not good. I feel like they were not a very, and this happens sometimes, and it is, it is hard um, to, on our end, have the discipline to guard this and play against this, but they were kind of one of those teams that just aren't that disciplined or talented, and so they kind of just crazy dribble around um, and try to haphazardly run into the lane and do these really exaggerated, like, jump stops. And anyway, you know, when we're just not disciplined on our end on contesting that and guarding that, then we end up giving up easy points or fouling them. And their number three... And their number three was just completely wild. Like, uh, he would just run all around from from one side of the arc all the way to the other and weaving in and out and just like crazy running around dribbling. And it's like, I, I just think sometimes when players do that and it's easy to, to let them kind of spread that crazy, like scared energy around and there's just no need to panic and let that leak over. You just got to take a deep breath. We're a really good defensive team and just be cool. Um, Gavin had an amazing game, but I am going to say he still does it, and it drives me nuts dribbling in the lane. Like, here's my my rule. I, you just The only time that it should be acceptable for you to dribble in the lane is if you are outside of the lane and you dribble into it to do a layup. If you are already in the lane and you reach up above your head to grab a rebound or to catch a pass and you try to do the stupid power dribble... Why? Why, why, why? There is no need, none at all. Keep it above the head. If you already got it up there, just put it right up. That You're not dribbling anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Everyone, Stevie Wonder knows that you're just going up for the shot. There's no need. No need at all. Drives me crazy. I mean, goodness. Do not dribble in the lane. Um, Shot clock. We had at least one or two shot clock violations yesterday. And it's like, I, I blame everyone. Because it was actually the one I'm remembering. It was O. Um, one pay and one yeah. bit of attention, uh, but also David passed it to him and, you know, doesn't give any sense of urgency that, hey, dude, you got five seconds, like, the shot's on you now, go for it. Right. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, sorry, oh, but next note is about you two, um, you let your man shoot a wide open three, and I feel like this happens a lot whenever you first get put into the game and you're right off the bench, you just immediately let your guy have a wide open three. And so I don't know if there's confusion about who you're guarding or if you're just not expecting them to shoot it from the arc or what, but don't let your man have a wide open three. I don't know how else to say that. Um, that's about it. One one of the things that, that Alex is going to note, but I'm going to touch on it for a second too because I tweeted about it yesterday because it really pissed me off so bad. Um, is that their team was flopping terribly the whole game. And the refs did finally give them a warning on it. But, like, let me just set the stage for you. There was one play where literally the biggest dude on the whole court, bigger than everybody on our team, ridiculously flopped to the point where the refs, I mean, like, play didn't stop. Play is continuing because he, he did not get fouled. He just flopped. But he's the biggest freaking dude on the floor. Literally his body is taking up the entire lane. And since play is continuing, because guess what? It wasn't a foul, it was a flop. Um, it's, like, kind of dangerous because every player on the floor is having to try to not trip over his dumb ass, taking up the whole lane, and, like, not break an ankle or something. And it's just really frustrating. I feel like a lot of teams try to manipulate and do that because they know that we are over-aggressive and do kind of end up obviously fouling since we're forcing all these turnovers and leading in steals and everything. Um, and so it's just, it's really frustrating. And when it's to that degree, like it's becoming dangerous and you're, you're putting your players as well as our players in danger of getting injured because you're freaking on the floor and everyone's trying to not trip over you. So that's my last airing of grievance, but it really pissed me off. No, and that's exactly what I was getting at with my because I can already tell you that 
everybody and their mama knows exactly what we're about. We foul constantly. We do. We are notorious for fouling. We are actually a top 10 team in the country for committing fouls. But this season, we know this. And of course, as uh, David E. Berry of the Berry Force like to inform us yesterday on Twitter, um, as it is a top 10 team in the country is committing fouls for the entire season. They told me to save the conspiracy theories for something a little more feasible. When I said that the Southland Commerce dictatorship just can't stand us to get winning by more than 20, hence why we have at least 10 more personal fouls than we made. At no point, at no point did I ask or say anything mean or anything towards me or anything. I'm just saying that it's pretty ridiculous when we have SFA with 29 fouls at the end of this game and it was made only with 19. Pretty lopsided, don't you think? But I think that it's getting pretty tired of teams trying to flop on us and nobody's saying anything. It happened a lot yesterday and thankfully the rest did give but one player a warning, but it wasn't until halfway towards the end of the game. But they had been doing it the whole game. The whole game. Yeah, it was it was really late that they finally come, came on with that, so... talked about that the last game and I mean uh, you know obviously yeah he was the leading scorer but 
we're just looking we're ahead at like we're looking block. ahead at the potential that he has if he wouldn't let people out muscle him like multiple times that shouldn't be out muscling him like not even close. But it is one that I want to note because I I did tweet and I did at SFA. I mean, SFA. Jeez. I did at McNeese Basketball um, on this one, but... Oh. Or did I? I think I did. Anyway, um, literally, there was 15.7 seconds left in the game. And they had brought it to only four points. And mass exodus of fans. Like, just getting up and leaving. Oh. What the heck? It is still a ball game, people. Like, 15 seconds and they're only down by four and y'all are just going to start getting up and leaving? Uh, yeah. That was kind of wild. That? Anyway, that wild. so that's my last uh, one. Not, I, not a grievance for us, but, I mean, uh, I, that's just... No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on that you though, and, and, and I want to know why. Like, home game and we were down by four points with like a minute, two minutes, three minutes left, there's no way that anybody's leaving that game. Obviously, it was, you know, I, I want to beat them, and I'm competitive, but I, I felt bad for them on that, because that was just not cool. No. Not cool at all. Agreed. I was shocked when, when I saw that. I, there's no chance I would have gotten up and left. If that was my team, and we were down by four against the number one team in the conference that beat Duke, there's no way in God's green earth that anything could have pulled me from my feet. Get out of town. I was shocked. Yeah, not not good. Um, so that rounds out the airing of grievances, that random one I had to throw in there at the last minute. Um, so next segment, what do you meme? Um, and as as usual, you know, you'll want to go look at the uh, at the actual picture, but I'm gonna kind of explain it here. Um, so it was this one had really a potential for a lot of different captions because there were a lot of different things going on. Um, in one corner, you yeah. can just barely see Samaja's uh, braids in his arms. Like, he's kind of stretching his arms out. And then we've got um, Calvin with his hands kind of up on his head. Random side note also. So, Calvin was out yesterday um, after we think he hurt his ankle um, in the HBU game. Not sure exactly what happened or how long he'll be out, but um, he was on the sidelines in street clothes. So... Um, anyway, so in this picture, he has his hands kind of on the back of his head, almost like Surrender Cobra-ish, but kind of rubbing his hair. 
down or something. Um, you can just barely see Gavin's face, like, perfectly centered in in the opening of his arm. Um, just kind of standing there looking. Then in the foreground, which I think is what most people captioned, um, right. you got David's back to us, and John has one arm. He's facing him and has one arm kind of around his shoulders and is, like, whispering into his ear. Um, so we have, we have several... Yeah, we have several different captions. Um, so we have Chauncey's mom, Janet Carlson Stickler, commented, uh, spoiler alert, we won. Love it. Good one. Side note, I know, side note, all the Sticklers and all the Kellers were all at the game yesterday at McNeese. Love seeing them all there. I mean, they were, they were, they were, uh, came into town in the Nagadoshes actually for Christmas and they all, like, road trip to McNeese together and they're all wearing purple Santa hats and, um, I love them. They're the sweetest family. Um, so, so welcoming and sweet, so nice. Um, and they were all super excited and cheering and yelling the whole time for the game. And, you know, you can really tell that they support SFA through thick and thin, like they're there 100% either at home, like at home, away. Yeah, it was it was really sweet that they were all there. And if you see the super cute picture on Twitter of all of them, uh, courtesy of my photo skills, um, and just you know being overall bossy and yelling at everyone to look at the camera. Um, so anyhow, I was really glad that they were all able to travel and be there together, and that it was a it was a really good game and it was exciting, and we got the dub. So fun night was had by all. Um, so yeah. next next comment. Next comment yeah. we have is Justin Rodriguez. Justin. Do you want to build a snowman? Um, <laughs> then uh, Justin's brother Dylan. Dylan had to get in a caption because I, I forgot to tag him to remind him to caption. So he jumped in um, with uh, be nice and give Samaja a hug. Which was really funny because you can barely see Samaja on the other um, the other side of the screen. Uh, then you have Longhorn Dave, Longhorn Dave, our, uh, our loyal long, long, Longhorn Dave fan, um, he says, let me tell you a secret, this team is good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not sure if I didn't know they meant like as a fake good or if HBU was good. I wasn't sure what they were saying, but I still liked it. Yeah. And lastly, we have, yeah, lastly we have Rance Cole. Um, love Rance, love that he's still participating in all of our goofy caption things that we do. Uh, but his, uh, his was John, uh, push my again, and we tussled him. <laughs> that one was funny, and I accidentally, uh, skipped one. We had, uh, Ray Deason put his first comment, I think, um, which, which was funny, because it was accurate. Uh, we got this. See how bad they are? Sad, but true. Accurate. Sad, but accurate. true. Love it. All right, moving on to our last little part here, an announcement and random questions and comments and things like that. Um, so first off, next game coming up is Saturday, December 28th versus Paul Quinn, 2 p.m. Um, Paul Quinn is in a small college in the Dallas area. Um, they are a member of the NAIA Division I, the River Athletics Conference. Um, you can listen to the game on, of course, Q107 with Rob Myers, or you can also tune in on ESPN Plus. Um, it's just really funny because... Paul Quinn, we've literally run into, ran into Paul Quinn multiple times so far this season before we've even played them. Uh, Donald and I passed them, or they passed us, and they passed us again, and we passed them multiple times on the road when we were traveling to Arkansas. Um, so funny. So obviously, they were going to a game up off in Arkansas or somewhere. I don't know where yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god, here they are again. So it was just really funny. 
besides the ref, you know, giving you a warning. And I I guess it could be up to their discretion to call a technical or something if they felt necessary. But there's really no, like, set penalty for that. And I really think there should be because, like I was saying in the game yesterday, um, it it can become very dangerous whenever a player flops so obviously that the refs aren't calling it and then that player is just in the way of play that is continuing and everyone's trying to not break their ankle by falling over your dumbass because you have flopped because you're just lazy and you're trying to, you know, manipulate it to get a foul. So I, I think, yeah, I don't hate it. I kind of like that idea. Well, to piggyback off of that, um, actually I just did a little bit of research on the computer and you can actually get a, um, a technical for flopping. Starting this season, players can now be given a Class B technical. Um, a technical foul only results in one free throw for flopping or exaggerating a foul. Each team will be given one team warning before the rest will start giving technical fouls. So, technically, um, after the warnings they received, Smith could have actually been given a Class B technical foul if they continue to flop. So. Yeah, but what I was saying is, I mean, it's... Yeah, they can, but it's still up to the discretion of the ref, so it, it kind of takes a lot. I don't. I bet it probably doesn't happen that often, but I think if it was more... But I mean, their philosophy was pretty egregious, though, Jacqueline. I mean, it was pretty obvious what they were doing, so I mean... I agree, they, but the refs aren't, aren't going to call a tech on it, though. So that's why I was saying if it was more a more routine thing, like every time you had... You had to stop play, and the other team got the ball out of bounds. I think that would be a better way to monitor it than putting it in the ref's hands of calling a tech, because there's just not many times they're going to do that, especially not for us. You know, okay. which sucks. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree. I mean, I do think though that they should, if they're going to continue to be Exactly. Have you heard teams been given a technical foul for flopping or exaggerating in in college? Not often. 
because I feel like it is pretty, you know, well, was it a flop? I don't know. They have to go to the monitor. You know, you might as well just give the ball a bounce. Yeah, because I feel I just feel like they would be more apt to call it regularly if it was something smaller, like taking the ball out of bounds. But for giving a tech, I've I've never seen it called. I, I barely ever. I, I I honestly cannot recall this season in any of our games a tech for flopping. Um, if there was, we just want to wear it because a lot of times, a lot of times they only give a tech. They don't really tell us what the tech. Right, um, yeah. It's like obvious, rabbit hole but I just giggled because it made me think um Reggie Miller was also really bad at uh <laughs> but like to the point <laughs> of it being comical like faking stuff it was really yeah. funny anyway um so good question Longhorn Dave I like it I like your train of thought and I I, do. I, I think it'd be a good that. solution That's exactly what I was saying. Like they're they're gonna be subjective and be like, well, I really don't want to give them a tech and not call yeah. it. So I feel like yeah, it's yeah. We'll be like, nah, I don't know if that was a foul, a flop or not. You know, uh, and then they keep, you know, and then they just continue the game on. Which yeah, again, like you, they continue to do it, especially when that one player literally flopped in the lane and was causing more problems because, but it didn't get called because he flopped. It, it was a flop. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. just a conglomeration of a lot of the small things that we're not doing well um I mean of course you could also always say that maybe just getting a little complacent when we get that far ahead um I think we're not really necessarily used to starting off so strong I feel like a lot of times we kind of muddle our way through and get our shit together towards the end of the game and so maybe just jumping out so early we were just kind of floating through, but I, I think it's really, I don't think it's one specific thing. I think it's just a lot of the little things that we've got to be consistent on doing, and sometimes we get comfortable and we're just not as, not as disciplined and consistent on those. I agree. I agree. I feel like complacency is a big issue, especially when we do have a pretty substantial lead, you know, like last night you were ahead by 17, and all of a sudden, you know, some bad choices, bad fundamental things are happening, you know, ball security, um, you know, just really sloppy fouls were being committed. And again, that led to them, you know, kind of calling their way back 
eating up that 17-point deficit and, you know, kind of giving us a scare there. So, you know, we just need to finish a game. You just need to finish it. You know, you start off strong, you play good, you play well, you know, not perfect, not amazing, but you play good enough to have that 17-point lead and then you finish the game. You don't, you, you know, you don't stop hustling when you're up by 17 points. Because the moment you get soft or the moment you get caught with your pants down is the moment they're going to come up and bite you in the... So... Yeah, and I... Th- yeah. Yeah, to agree on that, I think a lot of it is mental too, and you know, like, I've said it before, I think that we make too big of a deal sometimes out of road games, which I get, I mean, road games are very hard, and there's just a lot more factors going on, but a lot of that's mental too, and it's like, when when we're so far ahead and doing so well, if we just stay consistent and disciplined on those things... It was really like a few plays and a few possessions that we just completely dropped the ball and let them get a massive backdoor dunk or things like that that really amp up the crowd. And when it's an away game and they, you know, have one big swing play and everyone just really gets into it, it it can get in your head if you if you let it. So. Absolutely. Agreed, because there were a bunch of times where the, the momentum kind of swing and it's swing along in her direction because of a foul or because of a turnover and like a breakaway dunk bunk or a big three-pointer because we dropped the ball on guarding the three. But um, And that's where we have to stay in the game mentally and keep our head in the game. We've got to get you, get you, get you, get your head in the game. So I agree there. It, it, it's mental, physical toughness, mental toughness. Uh, finishing the game, finish what you started, don't, you know, don't stop while we're ahead. You gotta keep it going. So keep it going. Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> Thousand percent. Oh, I love it. Alright, so that finishes out our fan questions. Thank you both, the Longhorn Dave and Ron, for submitting questions for us to answer. We appreciate it. We love interacting with, um, with our Facebook followers and with the people that, um, like to follow us crazily to crazy girls on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but um, so always keep them coming. We always love to answer your questions or comments or, um, you know, even if it's not basketball related, we'll still answer it. But um, anyway, so uh, we're just so excited that that uh, our next game isn't until Saturday. We get a little bit of time off the story for holidays with our family. Um, we're both going to have a very Merry Christmas here in Nacogdoches. I can hardly feel it. Um, we're excited to spend time with our family, have some good food, enjoy some celebrations, and really just enjoy the reason for the season. So, whatever you celebrate, whatever you, whatever you, you know, go to church, whatever you do for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate, you hope you have a merry one, a happy one. Um, and uh, we'll see you at William R. Johnson on the 28th. I mean, that's a great day game to show up to, especially if you have, you know, family or company in town for the holidays. So come Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Be a fun day. Have a you drink. Need a ticket. You need whatever. Just let us know. We will help you out. We'll get you in there. Um, who knows? They could be giving away something that day, you know? Um, it's an athletic and absolutely doing whatever they can to get busted feet. So let's just help them out a little bit and get some butts in feet. Tickets are always relatively cheap. Um, you can get a good ticket, a decent ticket from anywhere from six to thirteen dollars, and you can beat that. Who can beat that? Nobody. So um, again, I hope you have a great, wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, I guess, whatever you celebrate. Um, you celebrate festivus tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe Jacqueline will bust out her aluminum pole for that. I mean, I really do need to get one. It's kind of an underrated holiday that I need to start actually celebrating. Agreed. Even though, even, though we, even though we do celebrate the airing of grievances every podcast, so I feel like I'm kind of, you know, celebrating it all, all, all season long. Honestly, like, I feel like we should rename the nightlist Beats of Strength. <laughs> That's perfect. Why have we not thought of this before? Um, and half the time our best ideas come 
beverage. So um, I guess it makes sense that I'm sitting here drinking a little bit of a, a little bit of coffee and Irish cream. So. I mean, that's, like, just pure gold we've been missing this whole time. I don't know what we've been missing here. I mean, honestly, we've been here in three type feats of strength in our nice list category right now. So, Done. Done. It's here. It's It's not going to change now. Okay, well, we're going to go out on that very high note, because I don't think we can top that uh, idea. Um, There's no top of that. That's it. Done. Oh, man. Love it. All right, guys. Again, make sure you follow up on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Have a great night. Have a Merry Christmas. And always remember to ask and Jacks. With Alex and Jacks. Merry Christmas. Love you. Bye.